0: I want to repeat something I said last week. God wants 2015 to be the best year you've ever lived in your life. And he wants it to be the first year of the best season you've ever had in your life. Now there's a process to this. And we want to show you how that can happen. First of all, last week, as I said, we start with the nature of God. Everything we do here begins and ends with God. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, he says, the beginning and the end, as well as saying, behold, I make all things new. If you don't start again with God, if you just continue with what you've been doing, your year will be no different than it ever has been. If you restart with God not just God as a priority, but God at, in order, God as the first thing that you do not only in your year, but in your every day, your life will change completely. And you will have the best year, I, keep, I can't say this enough, you've ever lived, listen to this, regardless of the circumstances, your life is too important to be subject to your temporary circumstances. You know, there's a, there's a famous saying, How are you doing? Well, pretty good under the circumstances. And the response is, What are you doing under there? What are you doing under there? Your life is too important to be subject to temporary circumstances. God gives you something better. He wants you to have something better. So, how do we do this? Let me let me let me kind of repeat what I said last week. We start with who God is this is our understanding of who God is I am is us for them there last week we started with the I am that is to say remember that for those of you who are here I told you about an old uh, uh, Nordic mechanic that taught me a lesson when I first came into ministry I visited him in the hospital and he he was always mechanically inclined could put together anything that had parts and re-put it together. And one day he got this puzzle that he couldn't put together. And the secret to the puzzle was, there were two pieces in all of those pieces that you had to put together first. And if you didn't get those two pieces together first, the rest of it would never come together. And then he paused and he said, Reverend, kinda like life. And I said, Norty, what do you mean? He said, you and Jesus. Unless you get you and Jesus together first, the rest of it will never come together. But if you two go together, if we go together with Jesus first, then the rest of it will all come together. So this is what I said. God wants to remake our lives in three areas. Spiritually, financially, and relationally. All right? Spiritually. Spiritually. Every day you get up, the first thing you say, and it'll take you a while to get used to this because you haven't been used to this, first words out of your mouth, Jesus, it's you and me today. If if you're not the first thing I connect to, the puzzle's not going to come together. rest of it will never come together. Jesus, it's you and me today. Financially, I'll, I'll, I'll teach you this. But, but God wants to bless you financially. It says so in Scripture. We're not a prosperity gospel church. I mean, we don't, we, this, isn't a, this isn't a business. This is a following God no matter what the cost. But i got to tell you, it says in Scripture that God wants to bless you. And that if we step out in faith, this is, let me go back and I'll, I'll, I'll teach you more about this later. It, it says in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Tithe means 10th. It's the first part of whatever your your study income is, okay? Or the first part of your increase into the storehouse. And then the important part, it says, and see if I do not open the windows of heaven and bless you so much you can't possibly contain it all. Test me on this. The only place where God says test me. Test me on this. Now what God, what's God trying to do? Is he's he's got trying to get your money? He doesn't need your money. He knows you need He wants you to step out step in faith. He's trying to build your faith. But there's also a set of blessings you will never have unless you do this. It's just how it works. God will always love you, God will always bless you. But there's a set of blessings that God wants to have when we step out in that kind of faith. Now, relationally, and that's where we come to this morning. God wants to rebuild your life relationally. And that's why we come to the us. Let me tell you, all of us can prioritize God. None of us will be able to actualize that priority without relationships that encourage us. We were never meant to do this alone. All of us need a spiritual family. Not just a bunch of relationships, not just a a spiritual family. That encourages us, that sustains us, that, that ushers us on toward our purpose. And we know that because it's the nature of God. God is in us. Let me start out with today's scripture. And, and it's not a very long sermon, so don't, don't get worried that I just took a half an hour for the preamble. Uh, but, but let me, this is, this, I just want to focus on one verse, and that is um, Colossians. Uh, chapter 1 verse 20 I want you to see this and through him Christ to reconcile all things what does reconcile mean put together that which has been separated put together that which doesn't normally go together it's going to take some effort it's going to take some intervention to reconcile all things to himself having made peace remember that word peace in Hebrew, it's shalom. And it means wholeness. It doesn't just mean the absence of conflict. God doesn't design a life for you absent of conflict. But God designs a life for you so that he can give you what is missing in order for you to accomplish your purpose for him. And that includes relationships as you'll, just, you'll soon see peace through the blood of his cross through him I say whether things on heaven uh, I'm sorry things on earth or things in heaven now I want you to see these last two things they're categories aren't they we we think they're categories but I want you to to know who us is us are those relationships that help you reconcile and, and, and have the effect of reconciliation watch this and break down barriers of categories that have separated you from other people and separated you from God. So we are become barrier breakers. So let's start, let's start with who God is, all right? God is an us. God, by the way, when he created the world, put a principle that he replicates, replicates things according to their kind. Remember the Genesis chapter first. It kept saying over and over again, and it, and, and, and it, and it, it, it uh, reproduced according to its kind, all right? God does the very same thing. He reproduces according to his kind when it comes to human beings. This says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and God, by the way, the, the Hebrew word here for God is Elohim. It's a plural word used in a singular sense, an indivisible plurality, that is, a relationship. God is a relationship. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So from the very beginning, from the very beginning, he doesn't mention one without the other. We are made for relationships. And so therefore, when when God puts Adam into the garden, before Eve was was birthed out of Adam, You know, he puts Adam into the garden to till it and to keep it. And the first thing he says, Genesis 2.18, it's not good that the man should be alone. Why? Because he's not whole. He needs a relationship with someone who's enough like him to be intimate, but different enough to be necessary. And so he said, I will make a helper suitable for him. You remember what the Hebrew word helper means? Someone who talks back literally the definition of a wife someone who talks back now watch doesn't have to be shouldn't be contentious it should be the one who completes what is lacking in your thinking when he makes the woman out of the man enough like him to be intimate God brings her to the man, I love this. It's like an ancient wedding ceremony. Here's the father escorting the bride to her husband. Brings her to the man. Why did he have to bring her? Because she was in a different place. She saw, saw things from a different perspective. We need people in our lives who see things from a different perspective in order to complete what is lacking in our perspective. God builds that into us. That's who God is. Watch. God is one person with three kinds of operations. This is what Jesus how Jesus described God. Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 26, "But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, the Son He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Do you see? There's one God here. The Father dispatches. The Spirit discloses. The Son displays and dispenses. That is, everything you you need to understand about God, you can see in Jesus Christ. It's displayed in the life of Jesus Christ but he also dispenses it. He accomplishes it. All right? So the Father dispatches, the the Holy Spirit discloses, the Son displays and dispenses. A relationship, even in the nature of God. When when he made the church, what what did he make the church like? One church, many members, one spirit, many gifts, one body, many members. All of us who need each other. We need each other. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. He made us for spiritually nurturing relationships. We need them. Now, how do we get there? How do we get there? This is gonna be so simple, but I'll, I'll be surprised if it doesn't connect because the Holy Spirit's in operation right now, can feel it. Two things you already have need to go together. Cross over into each other. The barrier needs to break down. Most of you categorize your relationships either by normal, everyday relationships or by spiritual relationships. Well, those are my Christian friends. These are my normal people in my life, all right? I want to introduce something very simple to you, very simple. You need to take the spiritual relationships in your life and make them normal. Make them personal. Don't make them artificial. Don't make them who I am when I'm behaving the best. Make them normal. You need to take the normal relationships you have in your life and introduce a spiritual element into those relationships so that they can be completed. They can be completed. Let me give you an illustration. Those of you who went with us to the Selma movie, the Northland which is a predominantly Anglo congregation partnered with Calvary Temple of Praise which is a predominantly African American congregation and went to see the movie Selma together that pastor and I were both part of the civil rights movement I was actually part of it he experienced he's was, he was a little bit younger than I am as most people are but, but it was a little bit tense that night I gotta tell you there are a few people in our congregation a little bit worried about going. There were a few people in his congregation a little bit worried about going. Why? Well, we went because we had a spiritual relationship. Both congregations love Jesus. So we have a spiritual relationship. But because of the kind of de facto segregation and, 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 and just the way we, we build peer relationships, we didn't have normal relationships. We want out of that and out of succeeding um, 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 events to build, here it is, not racial reconciliation, friendship. You know what you call a black guy and a white guy who like to hang around together? Friends. This isn't about race. This is about relationship. This is about, I, I like to hang around you because you've got a perspective I don't have. And we got to get rid of the categories. Every time we assign somebody to a category, we create a barrier. Every time. We need the differences. But we don't need the categories. So whenever you categorize somebody, you have automatically created a barrier. We are the barrier erasers. So we want to take our spiritual relationship... We wanna take our spiritual relationships and normalize those relationships. I mean, when you come to church and you go, these are church people. I gotta I gotta act right, you know? How about just making some friends here? People you like to hang around with. And then we gotta take the normal relationships we have. And just introduce, you know, something in the again. Introduce who we are because we're believers. Don't we want them to have that it, because of our relationship? Do you remember this? You remember Ruth, don't you? The, the, the book of Ruth where, where uh, the, the mother-in-law and daughter-in-law have this dialogue. The son had died and so his widow is now the daughter-in-law. And, 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 and Naomi looks at, looks at Ruth and just said, man, you got to leave me. Because you've got to get married again. You've got no means of support. And I've got to tell you, somebody dragging around their mother in law is a, not quite the candidate for remarriage that a young, attractive woman is. You don't need to be dragging your mother in law along. You know, it just really lowers your chances. You know, even on match.com, you'd have to put it on there. And it... But Ruth loved her personally. It wasn't a category with her. It wasn't a mother-in-law, you're my mother-in-law. She loved her personally. And so she said these beautiful words that are read, ironically, at many weddings. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge, and your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Do you understand how valuable your relationships are to church? You know, when we say the word church, there's so much baggage around this word that hardly anybody, you know, that isn't, you know, wasn't brought up in it or hadn't got friends or relationships or isn't active here would be attracted to it. Because it's all about going to a building or belonging to a group of people that I don't even know. You know? But is that how Jesus defined church? Is that how Jesus defined spiritual family? No. Jesus was with people they liked to hang around with who also at the same time loved Jesus and wanted to do what God said. That's how he defined, watch this, not only church, but family. That's how, that's how, how he, put up the Matthew scripture, Matthew 12, 50. This is, this is what, when, when, when so one day they came to Jesus and they said, hey, your, your family's here, your mom and your, your brothers and your sisters. And Jesus said, who, who is my family? And then he pointed, he said, behold, yeah, I could just see his, his arms go out to, to people he hung out with every day, people he loved, people who he was doing life with together. And he said, Behold, whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Does that say anything about a building or a clergyman? No. Who's your church? Who's your spiritual family? Hopefully this is your big church. This is your big family, but God wants your church to be in your relationships. That's how He builds his church. He makes the normal, spiritual and the spiritual, normal, everyday stuff. See, this is what this is what First Peter, chapter two verse nine, says. "You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood and a holy nation. A people for God's own possession. And I want you to see the next two words. So that. This is key. This is key. In order to have the proper motivation to make your normal relationships spiritual and your spiritual relationships normal. This is, this is the key. You've got to understand that God never builds a relationship just for that relationship's sake, ever. There's always a so that. There's always a purpose. God always has something bigger in mind that he put you together with the people he put you together with. Always something bigger. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are the people who have relationships for a greater purpose, but watch this, not to manipulate others toward our agenda, but just to love them and watch what God does with that relationship. Two things, and then I'll I'll quit talking. One, I want you to contrast this with the forces of this world and of this culture, especially. The contrast is that this world spends practically all of its time getting you to think of yourself, and then getting you to think of yourself either in competition with or in use of, exploitation of, other people to get your needs met. That's how the world teaches you. You know how I know that? Because that's the the devil's whole agenda. The devil's whole agenda is to create categories with you in the middle. And, 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 And the reason relationships break down is that no one will ever be able to satisfy your desires or wants no one except god no one and so what we what we what we get is that we get this we get this loneliness of life so many most people the overwhelming majority of people are lonely no matter how close their relationships they're still lonely even in the closest relationships it's because it's because this is this is how and and and, and I have a football buddy who, who uh, he was, I played football with him 50 years ago. And every once in a while he sends me random thoughts for old people. And, uh, and, and one of the random thoughts he just sent me was, I don't need anger management. People just need to quit ticking me off. <laughs> I, want to, I want you to think about that just for a second. That's the way we think, don't we? If we have problems, it's somebody else's. It's somebody else's. You know, it's somebody else's fault. The reason God wants us to be together is because if you love someone for the sake of loving someone else better, see, that's key. The world will just injure itself trying to gratify itself. People of the world. Jesus saw that, by the way. In, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he, he says, seeing the people... He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. I want, I want you to go back to the original language of me and just see the picture here. Distressed and dispirited means kept poking themselves unintentionally, but kept injuring themselves. Why? Because they weren't paying attention to staying with the flock. They're lonely because they live life just eating one teft. You know, if you've ever been to the Middle East, it's not a pasture over there. It's just, every once in a while, there's a tuft of grass. And you can nibble your way lost. It's the way most people live their lives. Oh, I need this, now I need this, now I need this, now I need this. And and pretty soon, you look up and you're not with anybody. And you've injured yourself because you've run into all these thorn bushes. And you're lonely. Just living for your own gratification is your own self, is your own isolation. And that is Satan's sole strategy in your life. Satan wants to to increase your suspicion, to foster your distance from other people, to finally accomplish division from them because you have distrusted them. And now you will self-isolate. If Satan can get you to take yourself out of relationships, out of the picture, he's one. Because we need relationships, and let me tell you why we need them. Because we'll do something for people we love we would never do for ourselves. We will live in a way for people that we care about that we would never live for ourselves. I heard a story once about this, these two guys who were trying to hold each other accountable. You know, trying to better their life, follow God better. And this one guy had a swearing problem. I like this story because I used to have a really bad swearing problem. And he said, I've got to tell you what you've got to do. He said, I, I, I've determined that every time I, I, I use a cuss word, every time I swear, I'm going to put $5 in a collection plate. So you've got to hold me accountable here. You've got to ask me how many times I swore. And then you gotta make sure I write out the check. So the first time, first week it was, he swore like 20 times and you know, put hundred bucks in a collection plate. Second, second week it was 90. Third week, he, he really had a bad week, it was like 120. And so his friend said, you know what, I'm gonna do something here. It will make it both easier for you and harder for you at the same time. But I want you to keep, a tra- keep track of how many times you swore this week. So he came to, they came to church, they met at church the next week, and he said, so how many times did you swear? And he said, 23. He said, okay, I'm writing your check. I'm paying for it. And the guy said, no, you can't do this. He said, it's done. And he said, and every week you come in, I'm gonna pay for what you've done. Within weeks, the guy stopped. Why? Because he didn't want to hurt his friend. You understand the, the principle here? Spiritual family, genuine love for someone else is about protecting them and about fulfilling them. A second, here's the second thing. When you understand the so that nature, the so that nature of, of, of relationships, you'll understand this. That the reason that us has unity is for them there. It's always about a mission. You know, I have what I think is the best marriage on planet earth. She is my very best friend. No, no credit to me. I'll tell you. Applaud for her. But we are very different people. We don't have closeness because we're alike. She thinks in detail, I think in vision. She you, know, she, you know, checks the steps of everything. I'm already there going, come on. We are not alike. But we realized something very early in our relationship. Our relationship wasn't about us our relationship was about serving the God we love and blessing other people. It was always about someone else. And over 40 some years now, we have grown so close, I don't like to be apart from her. I can't stand it when I'm away from her. She's, I would rather hang out with her than anybody else in the world. But it was never about us. You see, It was always about others and God has the same thing for our relationship. The church is together for a mission and it's not for us. Not so that you can make me happy, not so that I can make you happy. It's so that we can empower others. So that we can be for the world, what the world still needs, what we have and they don't have. Yesterday, we hosted the National prayer breakfast for the 21st century abolitionists in this country. Those who want to eliminate human slavery and sex trafficking that happens in our community. This is happening right now in central Florida. It's not just in another part of the world, although if it were, the lives of those girls are no less valuable than the the lives of our daughters and granddaughters. But I gotta tell you, it's happening right now, and I hope if you do have time, you will come Thursday evening to watch that movie, Chosen, because let me tell you something. These recruiters right now are in the malls in Central Florida looking for, for recruits, spotting those girls that are most vulnerable befriending those girls who who, who are just looking for a relationship because they were made for relationships. The recruiters are going to your kids' high school parties and junior high parties. And if you don't think that's true, you're terribly naive. So I want for you to join our effort because one of Jesus' points of job description setting the captives free is also our job description if we follow after Jesus but here was the point the reason that this is so disgusting so abhorrent is that the vulnerable are being exploited let me say something very difficult to say Do we do anything different? Now to a degree, it's less abhorrent, but is it different when we simply use people to accomplish our purposes? When we're simply trying to manipulate people to go along with our agenda without pouring into their lives, making their lives more important than ours for the sake of someone else? See, that's what God wants to catch. There's lots of definitions of holy. But let me tell you the one that's always meant the most to me. It's not about perfect behavior, it's about having a heart that loves to do what delights God and grieves at what grieves God. To me, that's holiness, it's very personal. And church, that's about people you love who want to be used by God and you want to do it with them. Would you pray with me? Lord, give us an us. Build us, both in the larger family, in the smaller relationships we already have. Help us build an us. Take these words and apply them to our minds, that we might not grow shallow. And apply them to our hearts, that we might not grow cold. And apply them to our feet, that we might be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Amen. Please stand. I'm gonna pray a prayer of salvation. I do this every time we get together because in order for you to have God as the first, if you want this to be the best year you've ever lived in your life, then like I said, it has to begin with your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a God that's not about theology, it's about relationship, personal relationship. And that doesn't happen unless you have personally invited him into your life. We don't get saved by group. We get saved by relationship. And so God offers us that grace, that gift of salvation. Now I'm going to say a prayer. Those of you who have never invited Christ into your life that you know of, that you can remember. You believe in him, but you've never personally invited him into your life. I want you to say this prayer after me, these words after me, so that you know that you know that you've done it. So that you have God in the proper order as you live your life forward, okay? Bow with me and those of you who wanna say this prayer with me, say this prayer with me. Say these words after me. Dear God, I know I have sinned and I've lived separately from you. I don't wanna live separately from you. Jesus, I know when you died on the cross You paid for my sins too. And you broke every barrier that would keep me from God or other people. You offer me the gift of salvation. I accept that gift. Come into my heart and live there Be my Lord and Savior, not just when I die, but every day I live. Make of my life whatever you want. Amen. Now just let me see, if you said that prayer for the first time, would you slip your hand up just so that I can see the Spirit working? God bless you. I see that. Who else? God bless you. I see it. Anybody else? God bless you. Good for you best thing you've ever done best decision you ever made go home and write in your Bible this date today and if you haven't got a Bible go to the hub we'll get you one but keep coming because we want you to grow in Christ and we want you to have a spiritual family and we'll we, we, we will teach you how to have that or how to get one alright okay as you're leaving today just a few announcements we do have a prayer team up here if you came in with a burden don't leave with it Bible says bear, bear one another's burdens, and we do. Um, and those of you online, have a prayer minister. Um, hub focus. Those of you who want to be involved in anti-human trafficking, um, go to the hub. Uh, and you can join the effort that we have and in the, in the kind of the collaborative that we have. Remember the, the health uh, um, thing, the creation, or the, the uh, um, um, healthy... Go out and see what it is. I can't remember what it is. And the nine-week feast. Look, you can do this with anybody. Just that you normally eat with or that you've wanted to eat with. Just invite them to eat and then say, do you mind if I read a scripture? And ask a question. And you will have introduced into your normal relationships this realm of spiritual reality. And you will never be sorry for that. All right? All right, 2015... Go and begin the best year you've ever had in your life. Amen.